This is the Pain Information Network, 55. Today I have Dr. Lee Snook. Dr. Lee Snook is a California-based physician that is a real gentleman physician, very articulate. He's an individual who has extensive credentials, works with the American Medical Association, and works most importantly for you on access to care. Uh, really a national figure on access to care, and I'm happy to have him on today to talk a little bit about pain care, access, and just our ability to offer the types of services we need to not now, but six months from now, one year from now, two years from now, etc. We're seeing an erosion in American medical care to some degree, but we have control over this if we are proactive. Lee is a very proactive individual, a strong physician in his office, and he's a solo practitioner. He's one of the last, and especially in California. How unique is that? So it, it's really a, a, a fun thing for me to have him on the show, and I get to interview him. I interviewed him in Dallas at the American Society of Interventional Pain Physician annual meeting, and uh, I just had a, a, a wonderful interaction with him. I've had many, and we've had some great dinners together talking about what we need to do to make sure that you can get to see the people you need to see that have the proper credentials with the best potential outcome in your future. Leave us a review at iTunes, please. It helps us get uh, views. And it helps us get some ears and really gets us rated so other people can catch on and, and hear some of these fantastic guests we've had. So I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to get right to Lee, and then we'll see you on the backside. Talk to you soon. I have uh, with me today in Dallas uh, a really special guest, and Lee Snook, MD, is a California uh, advocate for patient care, and he today has chosen the topic of advocacy, and he's going to let us know what advocacy means because it's so important for access to care in pain medicine, and it really matters to folks in pain. It matters a lot to anybody that has a serious medical illness, particularly if it's chronic in nature. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Lee. Thank you, Hans. Uh, I'm a solo practitioner in Sacramento, California, practicing in an office-based practice, providing chronic pain management, mostly for patients who have suffered pain for many years and many patients who have intractable pain. My practice consists of medication management, interventional therapy, and supervising multidisciplinary care. Sort of a multidisciplinary clinic without walls. Yeah. I've been in the same physical locale since 1992. Well, you're kind of like I am. We've been around the block. We've seen the pendulum swing literally left, right, left, right. Now, I don't know where we are right now, but tell me what advocacy means. What advocacy means to me is that each and one of us, each and every one of us physicians, uh, takes an active role in representing the best interests of our patients and our profession. There are many levels of advocacy. The most basic level is when you receive your MD degree and you receive your training and you receive qualifications that are objectifiable, such as your board certification. Once you demonstrate competency with those credentials, you are an advocate for your patient and your profession. Everything you do 
is a form of advocacy. I would state that it's very important if we want to preserve the profession of medicine, the practice of medicine, the art and science of medicine on behalf of our patients, we need to be involved. At its simplest level, you have to be aware that we live in a political environment. Whether you want to actively participate or not, at the very least, you should be a member of your county medical society. Yeah, I agree. Our time is so tight, though. We're, we're affiliated with so many organizations. Look, we're here in Dallas, away from our practice and our family. Uh, we're learning. We're teaching. Um, there's going to be another meeting for me next week. I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's hard to get involved in those committees, but it's our responsibility. It comes with the ticket. Well, it turns out that there are very few physicians who are willing or able to step up their game in advocacy. But let me go back to what I was saying. At the very least, you should be a member of your county medical society, your state medical association, and the American Medical Association. As well, you should be involved in the specialty to which you're credentialed. We're here at the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, which is a stellar organization, both in education, research, and advocacy, as well as political advocacy. There are many opportunities to get involved at a higher level. Some of us, like you and I, spend an excessive amount of time by choice representing our profession. What our colleagues can do is, at the very least, be members of ASIP and their State uh, Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, which is a component, a component society of the American Medical Association. Now, however your beliefs are politically left, right, or in between, it doesn't matter. One of the things that the uh, American Medical Association states is together we are stronger, and that is exactly the case. Uh, there isn't uh, oftentimes unanimity of opinion on any given issue, but at the end of the day, once we've debated and worked through a process, we unite as best we can to advocate the importance of that consistency at the level of uh, uh, the regulatory process or the legislative process or the executive process or any of the number of the bureaucracies that have direct and indirect impact on our ability to practice medicine cannot be understated. So being involved, stepping up, and at the very least contributing your money will help leverage what we're able to do If you ever get the opportunity to attend the American Medical Association Candidate School, you will have your eyes opened immediately. One of the things you're told is that if you run for political office, half of your time, 50% of your day is spent generating revenue or campaign contributions. Just think about that for a minute. If you want to be viable in politics in the United States, half of your day is spent on getting money so you can fund your campaign even if you've just been successfully elected. Obviously, as has been stated, money is the milk of politics uh, or something along those lines. And we, as a political action committee, uh, contribute money and we interview, research, and support the candidates that we believe are in agreement with what we consider to be the best advocacy, the best policy, the best laws that enable us to practice medicine. 
for our patients, on behalf of our patients. Remember, everything we do is on behalf of our patients. And we always have to keep that in mind, particularly when we're, uh, when we're advocating um, on one-on-one or before a group or however we're doing that, letter campaigns, and even a number of things that ASIP has so successfully done over the years. And keep in mind uh, the power of a group of physicians who are willing to collectively go to the Capitol or write letters and make phone calls and do what they need to do to get the attention of our legislators. It's incredible what ASIP has been able to uh, achieve, but that requires support. The Political Action Committee needs funding so we can fund the politicians that are supportive of us. We also work with uh, politicians that are are no longer uh, actively elected officials but have been, and they become extraordinarily important uh, as lobbyists or consultants to help us move our agenda forward. Again, my plea is that each and every one of you listening to this podcast, if you're interested in preserving the practice of medicine, the art and science of medicine on behalf of your patients, then you need to seriously think about how important it is that you continue doing so. And if you do, what it is that you can do to help make it so. At the very least, you have to be a member of your organizations, and I strongly recommend you contribute to your political action committee. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Now, what my patients and our patients in general don't seem to understand at times is the background or the, or the backstory to what we do as physicians to, to make sure there is access to care, to guarantee that we're not only here tomorrow, but we're going to be there for you in a month, six months, 12 months. And it does require some back work. So it's not just us going out and say into some politician or to some political entity or process that, hey, you need to do this because we know better. That's not how it works. It's a process and it's expensive, but you know what? It, it, it doesn't, we don't put any of this in our pocket. It comes out of our pocket, and we do this for our patients. And in general, political contributions are felt to be, well, it's something we do for a presidential camp- campaign. Nope. All politics, politics is local. And there's another process that people don't see that I think are so important, especially our patients, is to preserve access to care, we have to do something like sit on certain committees like the RUC and other committees that you sit on. Tell us about some of those. Well, uh, not only am I privileged and honored to be the AMA delegate for the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, I'm also the vice chair of the Pain and Palliative uh, specialty uh, section council, uh, which is a committee of the Triple S committee at the AMA, which has a fair amount of influence in the organization. Again, uh, in order to be successful, you have to have relationships, and they have to be positive relationships. And in any type of relationship, there's give and take, and there's trust. And over time, we develop uh, respect. And that respect gets leveraged when we voice our opinion on topics that are important to us. That's one of the things we do at the American Medical Association. Uh, I am also privileged currently to be vice speaker of the uh, California Medical Association. I've been involved with various technical advisory committees, which gives me access 
to a lot of a lot of different organizations, such as the Medical Board of California, the Division of Workers' Compensation, Health and Human Services, and other entities that reach out for physician expertise on matters that are troubling. For example, our current opioid uh, epidemic as it relates to uh, pain management, substance abuse, illicit use of medications, and those issues that are have always been present but are more prevalent and more public now, there's a need for doctors such as us who have spent a lifetime working on, on these issues to be available. And by being in, in the, on these various committees and being considered a subject expert on, on some of these, now I have the privilege of being able to opine and to help craft good public policy. It's my firm belief that good public policy is the best policy, and for that to be so, if we want it to agree with what we think is good, is good medical practice, then a physician needs to be involved, and that's what we do. Uh, in my uh, state organization, California Medical Association, we have an, a very extensive staff of, of expert uh, government relations folks and support staff that help work with the legislature in California uh, on these very issues. Every day they're working on these things, and I'm privileged to work with them. Um, so you'll find, in, in Hans, you know this to be so, that you know, once you get on one committee and it, you end up on a lot of committees or yeah. you end up uh, you know, chairman of the committee or whatever, and so at some point it becomes overwhelming. But by the, by the same token, I continue to be amazed at how, how few physicians, how few physicians uh, are spending the time to do this. So I'm not complaining. I'm privileged to do it. But I certainly need your support. Hans needs your support. ASIP needs your support. And the practice of medicine needs your support. But we're, we're happy to do this. Uh, and, I, and I see the results. And, you know, it's like you, 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 politics has been called, uh, you know, the art of sausage making. And that's, that's very true in many ways. It's oftentimes not pretty. But it's a process. And you're trying to develop a consensus, forge a consensus about sometimes very emotional and, and strongly felt uh, opposing opinions. But over time, uh, I've been involved with many, many uh, situations where we come to a reasonable reasonable outcome. It may not everybody's happy, but we move in a direction to, to do what we can best do. And I, and I want to say one thing else. You know, physicians are still held in very high regard, and I think rightfully so. I mean, patients come into my office, and they trust me to to uh, act as their physician to, to provide the best medical judgment I can on their behalf and prescribing medications that are dangerous they're listening to stuff on the radio and reading it in the press watching it on TV you know and they're afraid and they trust me they trust me to provide intervention procedures which all of which have have risk profile uh, and and that's just an amazing thing and, I, and every day I go to work, you know, I say to myself, man, how lucky am I to be a doctor and, and doing what I'm doing with these people? And, and in, in my case, patients that I, when I first started out doing pain management in 1987, they're still in my practice. That's amazing. It's an incredible yeah. gift. I agree. I completely agree with you. It's a, <clears throat> it's a privilege. We sometimes use that term too much, privilege, privilege, but give me another adjective. There aren't many adjectives that you can put on the fact that, uh, yeah, it took some blood, sweat, and tears, and yeah, it takes a little bit of extra work to get through the day, 
but we we do it because we love it and we need to do it and it's not just a calling it's it's a lifestyle for example i i know you went off and you got your addiction boards like i did you know we didn't have to do that the initiative was there to better serve our patients to better serve our people and the community to better represent our position on controlled substances and that epidemic i I dare say i don't think we created it but we're going to hopefully manage it so you know congratulations on you know your professional growth well we've done some we've done some very good proactive work our updated treatment guidelines to the medical board of california i believe are outstanding uh the CDC uh, recent recommendations are pretty good. There's a couple things that I think we could do a better job at, but we already have good policy that we can build on, certainly in California and nationally. You know, recall that ASEP published evidence-based guidelines on, on non-cancer pain opiate management years ago, many years ago, with way ahead of the game here. Uh, recall that ASIP worked to uh, have NASPA written into law, the National All-Scheduled Prescription Electronic Monitoring Program. George W. Bush signed the law. Congress just didn't fund it. We were just back in uh, Washington, D.C. for the National Advocacy Conference through the, by the AMA, and, you know, the congressional people are, are apoplectic about the problem. We said, well, look, we passed this law 10 years ago. You all didn't fund it. You have to fund the law so it can be implemented so the doctors can use it. We need a national program. We've been asking for it. We advocated for it a long time ago. So remember what we've done. It, it, we're kind of unsung heroes in many ways. So I would say this opiate policy, uh, opiate problem is a real problem, but it's much broader than how it's, how it's being characterized and much more complicated. There's a significant element of substance abuse disorder, 15 20% of people, substance abuse, either have it or going to have it. Those folks need to be identified, they need to be monitored, they need to be treated. So way back when I, I kind of recognized that I would have to become, have develop expertise in addiction medicine, and then shortly thereafter went and became a medical review officer because we were, we as pain doctors, were charged with trying to figure out the, uh, the uh, specific details of biological fluid monitoring. You, you know, what did it mean? You know, what did a positive urine look like? Or, you know, all of the various metabolites and how do you interpret that? So I, I went off and got that, that training. So it, and it became important when I found myself in various committees and this issue came up. We were rewriting the um, opiate uh, guidelines for the Division of Workers' Compensation uh, several years ago. And the whole issue of uh, urine drug screening, uh, qualitative and quantitative analysis, was very important. And I was surprised at, uh, you know, how important it was that I'd had that extra training because when it came down to trying to craft good policy that had a, uh, a, a medical base, it's a scientific basis, I was able to do that by getting extra training. Yeah, you know, you brought up Washington. There's more advocacy there. We've also been to Washington a number of times, and it's, and it's on our it's on our time and it's on our dime. We do it for again access to care, but also as an educational item. The lawmakers want to know what we're doing and why we're doing it, and they also want to know that we're accountable. And when they get to meet us and know we've taken time out of our practice, um, they they cherish those moments, and I can feel it. And it, we we get stuff done. So again, hats off to ASIPP. Now, you might want to visit this fantastic website, ASIPP.org, and you'll notice there's 
on that website is something called Pain Physician Journal. That's free. You can go there and go into the opioid guidelines. You can type in a search and find so many uh, rich resources about pain and read what the scientists say. Read what we say. And uh, I know, Lee, you've done, you've done some great work in there. And uh, I just, uh, just want to thank you. You know, you're doing a great job with advocacy. This guy's on the top of the tree when it comes to advocacy. Well, I, again... Uh, you know, it's an honor and privilege, and it truly is. It's not just rhetoric. Uh, it, we get, it's amazing. When, when Hans and I went to D.C., we get to walk the halls, Congress. We get to sit down with the legislators, if not them, their staff, staffers, and we develop relationships. We tell our story. The staffers uh, appreciate it. They will even call us afterwards. I've had long-term relationships with a number of people. Uh, as as a direct benefit of going to Washington, so it's not just a one stop where we get to meet and greet. It's a long term relationship, and that's how you you influence the political process is to have those relationships. And it's just great, and, and I, I would encourage people. I know you go, man, I'm really busy, and I don't have any time. Well, I I, yeah, I hear you, <laughs> but you would be amazed at how much your life will be enriched if you start. You jump on board and come with us uh, back to Washington or visit your legislator and start getting involved. It's very satisfying. Yeah, go to the local office. If you have an issue uh, about your your plight, your pain, your disability, you know, you don't have to go to a lawyer's office. You can go right down the road to your uh, legislator's uh, local office and sit down with the staffer. You might actually get to meet the member. That's what they do. They like to meet their constituents. You can get some stuff done. But it's all about communication. You know, Lee, I want to thank you for coming on board, and I hope to interview you again. But this has been a, a tremendous uh, episode on advocacy. Thank you, Hans. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, take care. I told you you wouldn't be disappointed. Thanks, Lee, for coming on board. He is a very approachable individual. If you're in the California region area, you've got an abundance of real high-quality providers there. And I just hope you have a chance to interact with him on a personal basis because he's so approachable. And we want to actually thank you for coming. Let your friends uh, know. Let your folks know in your community that we're out here. And if you don't mind telling your healthcare provider, you know, take a listen. Maybe we all can learn something. Go to paininformation.com. Send me a message or two. Let me know what you want to hear. I have a number of folks lined up, and I'm looking forward to getting some of these folks out to you to listen to. And I'll do a Q&A. I'm getting some requests to do Q&As. So if you got some questions, paininformation.com, chalk me a message, and we're going to be building content on that. You're going to see a lot of it in June and July. We just want high-quality content. We want go-to, go-to content and value. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.